Welcome to the NAI Football Podcast. You are listening to episode three of the podcast. We've done had the quarterfinals come and go, and we are on the semifinals. You can sit back, relax, and enjoy the analysis of NAI football. And I am joined with my editor of the NAI football website, NAIFball.com, Corey Thorpe. Corey, how are you doing tonight, man? Hey, man, I'm all right. You get enough Thanksgiving dinner? Oh, man, I'm the best. And let me tell you, talking about Thanksgiving, to the schools that played this week, they had a magical feeling. There's nothing like practicing and playing on the weekend of Thanksgiving. So congratulations to all eight quarterfinalist teams. Corey, before we get to playoff action, let's talk about bowl games. Bowl games in the NAI are a rarity. So – there used to be in Virginia, near the Virginia Beach area, called the Oyster Bowl, which would host lower-level teams. And the last NAI site was Weber International down in South Florida. But the Oyster Bowl doesn't exist anymore. There is only one bowl game, Corey, that offers a chance for NAI teams to come play in it, and that's the Victory Bowl. Corey, let me ask you, what do you think about bowl games in our league in the NAI? John, I think that any time a non-player team gets more opportunity to practice and play, it's a good thing for your team. Um, and more development is always a good thing um, in the long run. I totally agree with that. You know, you have two teams playing in the Victory Bowl this Friday. You have Ottawa out of Arizona and – all of it Nazarene that got these extra two, three weeks of practice that they wouldn't have had because they didn't make the playoffs. So I want to say congratulations to those two programs for making the playoffs, or excuse me, for making the victory bowl, because that can help a program a lot. I always think about Campbellsville in Kentucky. They are, they've been to victory bowls previously and the extra practice time they got, they went from Victory Bowl champions a couple years down the road winning the Mid-South. And I know if you talk to any Campbellsville fan, the Victory Bowl is a huge plus. So this Friday, I'm excited to watch and keep up with the Victory Bowl between Ottawa, Arizona, and all of it Nazarene. Um, I wanted to give a huge shout-out um, to – Ottawa, Arizona, they've been really active on the Twitter feed here, and especially a shout-out to Coach David Mosley over there at Ottawa. He's one of the good guys, and if any recruits listen to this show, he's one of the guys to get in touch with, especially if you want an opportunity to go play college football in Arizona because they are on the up and coming. So watch out for this. But, Corey, let's get straight into the playoffs, man. We had the quarterfinals, eight very talented teams. I would say we had – Three games where the favorites won, and then we had a game of toss-up between Kansas Wesleyan and Dickinson State. And before we get going, I want to congratulate Dickinson State for representing the North Star well. You played a heck of a game, only lost by three, and a credible opponent to come down to Selena, Kansas, and play against those Coyotes. 
And, Corey, do you have any initial thoughts on what happened in this game? This was a 43-40 game that got sealed with a late second interception by the Coyotes. It was really a back-and-forth game. Both offenses really came to play. Um, you t- talk about Dickinson State. Um, you know, their offense was just clicking. Um, Hayden Gibson went 22-30 for 380 yards and four touchdown tosses. Tiger Fry caught two of those touchdown tosses um, and had 159 of the yards. So, I mean – you know, it it was really, uh, as my grandfather would say, that was a defensive struggle because both defenses struggled. It was definitely a bar a barn burner. Um, I'm out of injuries. The running back for Dickinson State. Uh, I didn't feel like they got him going like he needed to. He only had 55 yards on the game, and yes, they had success passing the ball. But if I'm Dickinson State. If I didn't get my running game going against Kansas Wesleyan, who loves to extend the games, if I'm Dickinson State, I would have wanted to shorten the game, kind of like what they did against Northwestern where it was more of an offensive struggle. I had a feeling that if they could shorten the game, they had a chance to win. But credit to the Coyotes for coming out and winning that game. Uh, We had a direct message, Corey, about one of the game balls that should go to, and that's DeMarco Pruitt. And I mentioned on the podcast that this Kansas Wesleyan running back needed to be fed the ball over 30 times for them to win this game. And that's exactly what they did. He had 34 carries. They fed that beast. He had 185 rushing yards for three touchdowns with a long of 54. You know, watching the replay last night, Corey, that was their game plan. They were going to play some smash mouth football, even though they like playing out the spread. You know, there's a misconception. Spread teams aren't physical. Well, if you go to Selena, Kansas, Kansas Wesleyan, you're going to be physical out of that spread. So, Corey, what what would you think of DeMarco Pruitt's performance and the game plan that Kansas Wesleyan had? Just watching it like like you uh, did, their game plan was was phenomenal. Um, You know, I love – uh, watching their their offense, um, all the jet motion and all the all the uh, eye candy really makes it difficult for uh, opposing defenses to know exactly where the ball is going. Um, the one thing that really struck me, though, um, you know, and I don't know if if the coaching staff at Kansas Wesleyan said, "Guys, enough is enough." We are we are done with this. We are putting Dickinson State away. But John, that's what they did. They went on a 17 play, 75 yard drive, and eight six plus minutes off the clock, ending with a Demarco Pruitt touchdown. Um, you know, and at that point, Dickinson State didn't have any time to do anything with. That's right. They had 46 seconds left in the game, and you know. What happened there, Corey, and this is my opinion, like you said, there's not much left to do. Even the best offenses in all of football would have trouble going down there 46 seconds. We hear about Tom Brady and see him and witness him all the time. Even Tom Brady has trouble going down with 46 seconds. It was almost an impossible situation. And then you had uh, a playmaker like Dakota Anderson. You know, 
he sealed the game with the interception. And Corey, before we get on to this even more, okay, I would like to play on the podcast the voice of the Kansas Western Coyotes, Pat Stratham, Strathman, excuse me, and play his call. It's an unbelievable call. If this doesn't get you excited for NAI football, I don't know what will. But let's go ahead and uh, listen to Pat and uh, how this game ended and the excitement in his voice as the Coyotes are heading to the semifinals of the NAI. Third and 20, two-step drop. He's it up in the air, wobbly ball, it's picked by the Turner Anderson, takes on their side for the 30, and rope down with 16 seconds to go. Brad Coombs got the stick on Hayden Gibson as the Coyotes get the game ceiling. IMT, start celebrating, Coyote fans, start celebrating. Your Coyotes are going to the NAIA National Semifinal Round after a win over the so I, I hope that the listeners were able to hear that audio there. Uh, Pat did an amazing job on the call, and you can hear the fans around him going absolutely crazy. He says, start celebrating, start celebrating. Well, you could tell people are already celebrating around him. And shout out to Selena, Kansas, you know, the hometown for Kansas Wesleyan, for putting on three straight playoff games, I believe now. Uh, are They're going to be putting on three straight playoff games. They already put on two. And, Corey, I don't know if you know this, but it takes $30,000 to put on a home playoff game for an NAIA school. Did you know that? I saw that you had, had retweeted that, that there. That's, uh, you, know, you, you just hope that the, uh, the benefits are, are worth you know, spending the thirty k there uh, each, each game. And, and you, know, you, you think they, they are because hopefully what uh, – you know the schools are getting out of it is is the publicity of being in the playoffs and and even if it doesn't pay for itself with with tourism uh, and 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 hotels and and uh, rear ends in the seats, you know the the kids that are out there that are getting recruited by these schools they see that. And, that's right. And yeah, Kansas Wesleyan. Go ahead, Corey. I'm sorry. Go ahead. And that's what that's what it's all about is the kids here. That's that's right. Is a hundred percent about the kids, and that's what Salinas, Kansas, came to do. The businesses came and covered and sponsored that thirty thousand. So shout out to them, and because the Coyotes haven't had this, they haven't had the the experience of hosting three straight playoffs. So that that city came and responded well. So shout out to them. Um, so we have Kansas to the semifinals. Uh, moving on to the next game. We had a surprising one, in my opinion. We had the Concordia Cardinals out of Ann Arbor, Michigan, versus the Benedictine Ravens. And, Corey, this one kind of blew my mind. I was riding high on Concordia, as anyone should, okay? They had an impressive first-round showing by jumping on Reinhardt fast. And I had a feeling that Concordia – had a chance to jump out on Benedictine fast, but it was totally the opposite, Corey. They they came out flat in the first half, and then next thing you know, Benedictine is 37 nothing at halftime. And even in the third quarter, they came out fast, flat, Concordia did. It was 44 nothing, Corey, 
until Concordia could start battling back. And by that time, Benedictine put out the white flag for them. They had backups in, and Concordia did not score until 44 unanswered points. Corey, tell me something about this game and the surprise it was. Just straight-out domination from Benedictine. I mean, look, you you kicked against Benedictine for the first couple rounds, John. I, I think you got to have another thing coming after after trying to get these Ravens out of the playoffs for two weeks now. Man, you know? And you're right, Corey. The Ravens and Coyotes of Kansas Wesleyan have been proving me wrong. And I'm here to eat my crow tonight. Speaking of a team of Ravens, here to eat, eat my crow. But go ahead. I said, you're going to eat your raven tonight? Eat my raven, nutritional value. But, uh, Corey, I know you were very impressed with the passing game of Benedictine from what we saw. Anything you like to put on that? Schaefer shoots. And if I mispronounce your last name, Schaefer, I, I, I apologize there. But, man, 13 of 15. Uh, 273 yards. That's almost 20 yards an attempt. I, I really like 20 uh, yards in a, at, per attempt as a better metric than yards per reception. Um, it, it just tells you a lot more about, about what's going on in the passing game. Um, but that is about as efficient as you could ask for out of a team. Yeah. And, and you're right, John talking about how they they rolled out the you know they were trying to you know shorten the game and let Concordia kind of you know walk away you know they rushed 57 times Benedictine did they were trying to shorten that game for poor Concordia right yeah I totally agree with you and when Benedictine struck they struck big the one of the big surprising things for me was that Concordia had an inability to rush. You had Joe Connor, who I am – I don't want to say I have a man crush on the kid, but if you've seen the dude play, he looks like a man amongst boys. But Concordia couldn't get him going at all. Had 18 attempts for 82 yards, and that is his second lowest total on the year. And for Concordia to win big ball games, that's just something that couldn't happen having him have low production, and his longest run was 47 yards. So over half of his yards came on one run, Corey. And you're not going to win if you're Concordia if you can't get a guy like Joe Connor going. So we have Benedictine moving on to the next round. They are traveling, but they stay within state. Uh, they're going to the Coyotes of Kansas. Let's see that later. But let's go ahead and move on to the next game. We had Morningside hosting St. Xavier. And we all know Morningside is stampeding as hot as a team in any small college division right now. Not even NAIA. I would pick Morningside against some FCS teams right now. They are that good. And, Corey, I thought when St. Xavier was coming over, you know, they're from the mid-states where that's a football association that plays great defense. I thought that St. Xavier would put up a better fight than Rocky Mountain did last week. And I was totally wrong. Morningside was so focused in, and they did nothing different Morningside. They basically worked on themselves, honed their own craft. And if you follow me on Twitter, 
I posted some gifts of Morningside, and what impressed me, Corey, one word, physical. The Morningside Mustangs are physical. They will come out and straight up hit you in the mouth. Corey, I'll let you go ahead, man. Give us your take. You know, we talk a lot about the um, the relationship between Solstice and Niles. Solstice Niles, Solstice Niles, Solstice Niles. You know, we talk about them. They are the single best tandem in the NAIA. They are Peyton and Marvin Harrison out here in the middle of the country here. They are they are amazing. But you know what? They used Niles as a decoy. Whole game. Oh, yeah. Niles. I mean, he got, he got his production, Corey. You know, you let him in receiving. But I saw that, too, on film. They were so worried about Connor Niles beating him. It, it gave some distribution to some other guys. And we talked about that, um, you know, last week. Can anybody rein in Connor Niles? Well, yes. St. Xavier reined him in. But it turns out that it just doesn't matter. It just does not matter. No. You stop Niles, and you're going to find Jurgen Jurgen's Meyer. And here's the thing is, Niles is going to get his, whether you're on perfect coverage or not. It's just the morning side offensive system. The guy had 180 yards, and St. Xavier game plan for him. You know? And I have a gift with Connor Niles. Not only does he receive very well, he will put people on their butts. And he is the ultimate football player that you just fall in love with. Um, St. Xavier, I thought, Corey, had a great plan. You know, earlier in the game, they were blitzing the heck out of Solsma, trying to make him to make quick decisions. And that offensive line saw tons of people coming from different directions. St. Xavier had four sacks. But Solsma, you know – he can be unconventional at times and even throw off his back foot and beat you. He's just that good. He's going to find his guys. And it's like St. Xavier kind of picked their poison there. But Morningside is absolutely stampeding. And then you had Ponder, AP, you know, back there in the backfield for Morningside. Another 100 rushing yard game. St. Xavier, you had a great season. You won your division of the Mid-States Football Association. Great season. You know, it wasn't long ago St. Xavier was the champions of NAIA. And, you know, the Catholic school outside Chicago or inside Chicago, they'll be back. I have no doubts about that. They'll be back. And the fact that they made it to the quarterfinals, I thought when they were one of the weaker teams in the field, great season from them. But no one's getting in the way of Morningside until the next round. And their next round opponent is St. Francis, who had a very competitive game against Baker yesterday, Corey. You know, Baker comes out the gates and uh, has a 7 nothing lead in the first quarter. And Baker surprised Bethel, the three seed, in the first round. So here we go, seeing Baker winning 7 nothing after the first quarter. Corey, did you have any initial thoughts on the Baker Wildcats out of Kansas? Uh, well, the clock struck midnight. For them, for their Cinderella story, um, the St. Francis defense was just too much. Five sacks for St. Francis, 
limited Baker to 5 of 17 on third down. And um, I believe two forced fumbles, if I if I remember the stats correctly. I'm not looking at the box score right now. But, yeah, the, the bell of the ball, um, their time was up. And, unfortunately, they got to go to St. Francis, and St. Francis turned them back into a pumpkin. <laughs> you know, it's funny hearing Baker as a Cinderella after they've had success in the NAI, but you're right, Corey. This year they were absolutely Cinderella. They go up and beat one of the best Bethel teams of all time in that school's history, and then they're going up against back-to-back defending champions. They were absolutely Cinderella, and you're right. It struck midnight, but to go to St. Francis, let's put the focus on them a little bit. St. Francis fans in that program have to be a little worried for next round as they're going to Morningside. They did not play their best ball game, in my opinion, Corey. Matt Crable, he is he wasn't very efficient yesterday, 11 of 26. And while he's not asked to do extraordinary things, he has to be more efficient than what he was yesterday for them to have a chance against Morningside. But the defense of St. Francis, that's the backbone. And we all know, Corey, these guys aren't back-to-back champs for no reason. This defense has won them the first two rounds. They suffocated Grandview last week. And now this week, to, in my opinion, they won the game for them. The last two quarters, they finished the game with giving up only 10 points. And – Corey, you had a game ball I think you wanted to give out to one of the St. Francis defenders? Yeah, definitely. Um, looking looking at you, Mitchell Thornberry, going to go with the uh, with the big fella, the D-lineman. D-lineman don't get, the, don't get the game ball too much, do they, John? No, not at all. And, I mean, the only thing worse in notoriety than an offensive lineman is a defensive lineman. Linemen don't get enough love. But they're the reason they win. And St. Francis, defense alignment are just as much as a backbone as any other position. So I'm with you there. Um, listen, it's going to be interesting. Go ahead. Listen to this stat line. Eight solo tackles, um, one assisted tackle, one sack, two tackles for yard, uh, two tackles for loss, one forced fumble, and the big man returning a fumble 75 yards I uh, that has to be a sight. Oh yeah, I, you know, if you want to, NAI fans, you can go back. St. Francis does a marvelous job of streaming their games. It's on YouTube. If you want to go back and watch it, it was actually pretty funny. So Corey, we're starting a YouTube channel uh, that you'll be a part of too, of top mm-hmm. ten plays, and that to me might have been play number one for this week. Uh, absolutely unbelievable. So as we wrap up the first round, or excuse me, the quarterfinals, who would you say out of the four teams that won is the most impressive team? I think we have the same answer. The people that are listening probably have the same answer, but go ahead. Go ahead and say it, Corey. Go ahead and say the the, the same thing that we've, we've been saying. Morningside is just they- – they're, they they need to turn up the video game level a little bit. Right now they're playing on freshmen, and they need to turn the video game up to, like, Heisman level. It's just 
it's it's absurd what they're doing. Yeah, I totally agree with that. Um, and we're going to start talking about semifinal round. But before we do, let's just go ahead and say that last year Morningside had to travel to St. Francis. So they say that the NAI National Championship game was played in the semifinals last year. And now people are going to say that the national championship played in the semifinals again this year. Morningside at St. Francis might not meet in Daytona, but that is a championship quality game there. It's amazing that you're going to have the number one seed in NAIA against the back-to-back champs. That is a unstoppable force against an immovable object. That's going to be great, but as we talk about the most impressive team, I guess we shouldn't sleep on Benedictine. Corey, you mentioned the Ravens have made me look terrible. Why am I doing this podcast, Corey? They are making me look awful. They have came out each week and proven themselves. The domination they gave this past week, I I can tell you one thing, Corey. I'm not sleeping on Benedictine this week. And if they make it to the national championship game, either against St. Francis or Morningside, it's going to be tough to pick against them. I mean, they will jump on you fast, as shown as last week, and dominate. So, Corey, let's go ahead. Any closing remarks before we go on to the semifinals? Uh, not particularly. I've just – I'm really excited to see what we get out of this week. There's a lot of good football played in the quarters. And, um, you know, the, the, the games are just going to get better from here. I agree, Corey. So let's go ahead and let's hop into it. The semifinals matchup. We have Benedictine traveling to Selena, Kansas. And Selena's going to have to put up the $30,000 again, which they will easily do because they love Coyote football. You have Benedictine traveling to Kansas Wesleyan. Corey, do you have any initial impression of that game? You know, both teams have have shown an ability to score. Um, Benedictine put up 50 last week. Uh, Kansas Wesleyan put up mid-40s last week. Both teams are, are going to be able to score. The question is, who is going to make the most stops? Who is going to get the other team out of their rhythm, out of what they want to do? I, I totally agree with that. And let's just go ahead and call the elephant out in the room. And I love it when Kansas Wesleyan proves me wrong. And I'm basically their lead Corso, Corey. If I pick them, that would just be bad juju on their part. So Kansas Wesleyan, be glad I'm not picking you. Go ahead and give me that crap on Twitter again. I love it. Keep it coming. You guys should be happy. But Corey – and it's hard to call a 13-0 and team Cinderella. But as we call Baker Cinderella, Kansas Wesleyan is now the Cinderella. And I think in the semifinals game, clock's going to strike midnight. It's going to be interesting to see how they go out and handle Kansas Wesleyan. And, or excuse me, Benedictine. And K-Dub, they have the 
most interesting personalities on the coaching staff. I can tell you right now, those guys are not going to back down from anyone. They fully believe in cashing or breaking necks and cashing checks. And those players are buying into that toughness philosophy. But Corey, I think the, the only way Kansas Wesleyan is going to beat Benedictine is number one, they have to play their perfect game and Benedictine has to be off a little bit. Number two, just like last week, DeMarco Pruitt is going to be have to fed, be fed the ball at least 30 or more times, shorten the game some, shorten the game, keep pace with Benedictine, and beat them at the end. That is how I think Kansas Wesleyan can beat Benedictine. But, Corey, I'm going to go with the Ravens here. Like you said, their quarterback was super efficient. I can't pronounce his name right now. You can pronounce it for me. But he was super efficient. And watching their film on their team website, if he's that efficient again, I, I just don't see Kansas Wesleyan beating them. And especially if their defense starts out that fast. You see the box score from last week from Benedictine's game. You know, Concordia had 458 total offense. That offense didn't come till garbage time, man. They are absolutely suffocating. And they'll force you into turnovers, too. Concordia saw they lost a fumble. But, Corey, go ahead, man. Give me your prediction. Am I wrong? Am I wrong? Is Benedictine not going to win this game? Look, look, Benedictine fans, listen to me. This is the guy that picked against you twice. <laughs> Don't listen to his garbage. Oh. Hey, come on Don't now. I got to jump on make, somebody's bandwagon. <laughs> if you make it to Daytona, when you make it to Daytona, remember that I'm the one that's had your back ever since the beginning of, of these playoffs here. I need I need some Benedictine gear here. But um, you know, I'm I'm gonna I'm gonna ride this Benedictine bandwagon until the wheels fall off. Um, you know, I I like Benedictine's ability to turn to to force turnovers. Um, we talked last week about Concordia's quarterback Roger Engel, and um, we lauded him for not turning the ball over, and they forced him into two picks. Um, you know, they forced a fumble off out of Joe Connor and returned it for a touchdown. Um, you know, when your defense scores, that just makes it that much harder for the opposing offense to be able to keep up with you. So, you know, um, I, I don't know if you do a, like a fly Eagles fly, kind of like the Philadelphia Eagles do, but, but fly Ravens fly. And uh, I, I hope to see y'all in Daytona. Well, Corey, and I'm going to bring up one more point before we move on. Benedictine stopped, stuffed Joe Connor, the guy that looks like he could go play professional football out of the NAI. DeMarco Pruitt is just as impressive. I don't know how much of chance he's going to stand against rushing against these guys. 
So it's going to be interesting. Kansas Wesleyan, if you make it to Daytona, December 15th, um, I don't know. You might just have to beat me up or something. I just <laughs> I picked against you each time. but And, and you got to be happy about that, Kansas Wesleyan fans. Each time I pick against you, you win. So it might be some bad juju for Benedictine. Uh, Corey, let's go ahead and move on to what would be considered the game of the week, and that is St. Francis, back-to-back champions, traveling to Morningside. Corey, St. Francis won this game last year, but it just doesn't seem like the same St. Francis team that we had last season. I don't think they have the offense to keep up with Morningside, but go ahead. I think you're right. I think that's going to be the problem. Um, if Morningside was just a Texas Tech-style program with offense out its ears and absolutely no defense to speak of, then, yeah, St. Francis might have a chance at this. Um but Morningside's defense has been really, really good. Um, you know, they've been making these lopsided games just look, like I said earlier, absurd. I keep using that word. That's what it is. This is this is like a Dolly painting here. Um, you know, and, and you're only going to hold the Morningside passing attack down for so long before it explodes. Right, and uh, last year you had Morningside traveling to St. Francis, and there have been many Morningside fans on my Twitter feed saying that St. Francis won't really like traveling to Morningside this year. I guess they think home advantage is what's going to set them apart this year. And I would say definitely it's more than just home advantage. Morningside is just pretty daggum dominant no matter what they've done. And the rushing attack of Morningside has been improving, Corey, but that offensive line for Morningside, they're physical, man. I know you watched that tape. I know we both watched the game yesterday, but – St. Francis, they're known for their defense. Corey, do you think that St. Francis can keep up with Morningside, that defense? Mm-mm. Mm-mm. I, I hate saying it, and I hate counting out a team that's a proven winner. But, you know, they could play this game in Juneau, Alaska, for all I care. It, the the – Results going to be the same. Um, I have Morningside winning this, and St. Francis, prove me wrong, prove me wrong, please. At if uh, and I'm and, and I'm going to get hate for this. I don't think it's particularly close. Right. Well, here in the 2017 game, you know, St. Francis had that home field advantage we're talking about, and they defeated a similar. Dominant Morningside team. Both teams were undefeated going into the game, and St. Francis is definitely not the same ball club as last year. But this won't be the first time that St. Francis has ended a perfect season for Morningside, an amazing season. 
And most of those players that played against Morningside last year, they're back. And it's going to be interesting because as we're both picking Morningside, St. Francis has to be confident going into this game. Justin Green, the running back for St. Francis, had a huge game against them last year. So it's going to be interesting if legendary coach Donnelly goes back to that rushing attack and see if he can get another 234 rushing yard game. Morningside is going to come to play. I guarantee you they're going to be pissed off. Both teams are pissed off probably at each other thinking that this team's going to be in my way again. I'm going to get rid of them, but I'm going with the Morningside Mustangs home field advantage. Solsma and Niles last go around. They don't let the back-to-back champions trip them up this time. Corey, are you in agreement with me? Yeah, I think Morningside wins, and like I said, I don't think it's going to be particularly close. Right, and uh, I'm with you, man. But uh, closing up with the podcast, um, thank you all for following us, interacting with us. You can catch us on Snapchat, Instagram, Facebook, Twitter, all on the same username of NAIFball. Um, When we go to Daytona, it's going to be interesting. We're going to extend the opportunity for both programs that are there to one team control our Snapchat, one team control our Instagram, so the whole NAI nation and all of college football fans can follow, and hopefully it will be a special occasion. If you are planning on going to Daytona, please direct message us. We are going to do a meetup at the BJ Brewery House um, just outside the stadium, walking distance, correct, Corey? Yeah, that's that's what I saw. It's right across the road uh, from it. Uh, should be within walking distance. We we had a had a real hard choice between uh, them, Texas Roadhouse, and – and uh, Miller's Ale House, but uh, you know the the variety of menu here and 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 the uh, deliciousness of the of the beer won out, and that friends is our in depth analysis on restaurants. That's right. Well, Corey, you know they can come just join us for a steak and a beer and whatever and- other drinks you want. But uh, you know, man, it's been a lot of fun doing this with you. Um, we're going to wrap up this week. We're heading to the semifinals. NAI fans, prepare to be excited. These are the four best teams in our league. These four teams could compete with anybody in small-level college football. Um, We are also looking for sponsorships. We are only asking for $1 at the individual level. Business, universities, programs, sponsorships at $10 level. Look, guys, we are outreaching to thousands of people each week. And it's only growing from there. So come sponsor with us. Come advertise with us. Um, Corey, any last thing before we sign out? I uh, just want to give a, a quick shout out. I like. I love to give shout outs to to the coaches that that retweet us, especially on on these podcast um, tweets, because these coaches, you know that you know they don't have to do that when it's you know not highlighting their specific team in in the in the tweet. But uh, but Coach Yost. From uh, from Benedictine, um, says call me Bumpy. All right, Bumpy. Um, <laughs> that's what it says. So give you a shout out. Thanks for thanks for retweeting us and and uh, like I said, hope to see y'all in Daytona. All right, man. Well, I appreciate you being on with me, NAI fans. 
family, stay classy. Enjoy.